if you have a conscious culture, you have to be aware of what folks are feeling in the organization, the experiences that they're having, whether they feel like they're being listened to or not. Twenty twenty stopped us in our tracks. Now we have an opportunity to come back to work in a better way. Can we leapfrog into a new and better way of working? And in this opportunity to create a more balanced and joyful workplace, can we also create paths for more kindness, humanity, fellowship, and justice? Welcome to Joy at Work. I'm your host, Alex Liu, managing partner and chairman at Carney. This season on Joy at Work. We'll talk to people who are using a joy mindset to move all these needles to create real and lasting transformation. Today, I'm welcoming Jerry Elliott. Jerry is Chief Sales and Marketing Officer at Cisco, and she's joining us to talk about how technology is transforming the way we collaborate and connect at work. She will share a vision for a more inclusive future powered by technology. Jerry joins us from her home office in California. And we're connecting today over Cisco's WebEx platform, which so many of us have depended on to stay connected during the pandemic. So first, thank you for joining us, Jerry. Thank you. It's so great to be here, Alex. Well, we have a lot to dive into. Let's get into it. I want to hear personally about this topic of new ways of working, and in particular, how you're coping with it. Obviously, Cisco is at the center of a lot of this in the industry around the world. All the technologies that people are using in this new remote world. How has work changed for you this year? With what I do, and as all leaders do, we take care of our customers, we take care of our employees, we take care of our communities. We've always done that, but this pandemic has taken it to a whole new level, as you can imagine. Because almost overnight, we had to make sure that our customers could connect with their customers. We had to make sure that we could connect with our employees from anywhere, from any device. Teachers had to connect with their students. Governments had to connect with their citizens. We had to make sure that our folks, our teams, could work from anywhere. That they had the best information that they could have as best as we could. Share whatever we could to them. Provide them information. Get facts out there. So what we did probably didn't change, but I think it just. Got amplified. How has this affected the way you lead, and how Cisco leads the twenty-four thousand folks that look to you for inspiration every day? Also, we talk about having courageous leadership. That's one of the things we expect of our leaders. We expect them to bring a tremendous amount of bravery in being open and honest about our true selves and who we are. We also talk about our culture in terms of having a conscious culture, one that is intentional. It's purposeful. It's transparent. So those two things together—they're kind of the cornerstones of what we do here. So when the pandemic first hit, we knew that folks had questions about the disease. They had concerns about the spread, and they probably didn't know what they didn't know, right? We didn't know what we didn't know at the time. Very early on, we decided we have medical doctors on staff, and so we thought we'll put our medical doctors. We'll call a company meeting, obviously using our technology. We gave 24 hours notice. 
All we said was we're going to have our company doctors online to answer any question that you have. In 24 hours notice, we had 36,000 people show up to this meeting. Wow. The feedback was overwhelmingly positive. And we just talked. We just said, we're trying to get facts out there. We want to respect the science. We're going to listen to the local authorities. We're going to listen to the health workers. Here's our health workers on staff. Here's what they, you know, the advice and, and counsel that they're giving you. Ask any question that you want. We were completely open about it. And the feedback, because it was so overwhelmingly positive, we did it every single week and we called it the Cisco check-in. And that's mm. what we did. We just checked in with people. How are you feeling? How's it going? What questions do you have? And it was very medically oriented in the beginning. And every week, the check-ins evolved when we realized people needed a break. They needed to feel good. They needed some joy to you, Alex. This is to you, a nod to you. They needed some joy back in their life. And so we brought some entertainment. Thank goodness our CEO has this amazing Rolodex of entertainers that are friends of his. And so they oh. come and they speak for five <laughs> minutes and then they sing a song or they talk about some of the work that they're doing and how they're feeling vulnerable and the questions that they have. We started to introduce business back into it and folks love that because it was a sense of normalcy. We do our check-ins and they're a combination of still what's happening with the pandemic, how we need to show up as a company, as a leadership team, as an employee, and also some joy and also some business. And then, of course, when the social injustice happened, that topic, we were very transparent about how we felt about that, how we were going to lead in that regard, how our employees felt. And we had some very open and honest, transparent conversations, some difficult and uncomfortable conversations about that. But it was amazing. You asked me how my leadership has evolved. I've learned all through this that it truly is having empathy and listening intently. And my team reminded me there's this saying from Tim Ferriss, who says, everyone is fighting a battle you know nothing about. Boy, that hit me during this pandemic because everybody is dealing with something. Or, you know, we've all become caregivers and teachers and cheerleaders and social workers overnight with this. And so that reminds me to lead with a sense of empathy. And I always felt like before I was empathetic, but this has taught me everybody deserves a little unmerited grace, as our friend Brian Stevenson says in Just Mercy. There is something so compelling about your description there, your personal as well as the corporate experience, the, the humanity that we've all rediscovered in some sense. It makes us better leaders. And as I listen to you describe it, and I've heard other uh, CEOs and executives around the world saying a lot of the same things, which is it's okay to not be okay. It's okay to not know. It's okay to be human, even as the CEO. Now, that's a great lesson learned for resilience and the things that have got us now to the point where well, let's get some sunshine in our lives. But are there things that you'd like to unlearn, things that you'd like to put behind based on what we went through together in 2020, at least? Remember that book a long time ago, Don't Sweat the Small Stuff? Yes. This pandemic has taught me that, boy, the relative size of the small stuff has changed. I only want to focus on the big rocks in my life. I want to focus on making sure my family is healthy, that my family is safe and secure, that we're doing the work that really matters in our life 
that we prioritize that. We prioritize our own well-being as well. This has certainly been a wake-up call in that regard. The other thing I'd leave behind, Alex, is as I told you, I used to travel nonstop around the world before this. I would love to leave behind the flying 21 hours to make an eight-hour meeting. Do you know what I mean? Yes, Um, no, I've been there. (laughs) Just to turn, yeah, exactly. Just to turn around and fly 21 hours back. And then realize that you never really connected with that city, that community that you dropped in and flew right back out. I would leave that behind. I am no longer going to go someplace and not really feel like I've experienced the city, the culture, the community. I'm going to take the time now to really immerse myself into the society so that I can really see. I went to a most powerful women's conference once and there was a celebrity there doing a yoga class. I won't tell you who it was because she shared a bunch of personal stories, but she talked about when she would travel, she was always, she'd have her head in her phone or head in her laptop working to get wherever she was going. And she started to look out the window of her car on her way to wherever she was going. And she talked about really seeing, really opening your eyes and seeing the community, seeing what was happening out there. And it seemed like such a spiritual thing at the time. But I remembered that conversation during this last year. And when I say I I no longer want to travel the 21 hours for the five-hour meeting, wherever I go, I want to take the time to really see what's happening in that city, in the society, with my team, with the employees, with the customers, and really experience it. That's that's something I'm going to make sure I do. That message resonates with me also. I'm also a road warrior. And this topic or tension between immersion and isolation is something that I wrestled with myself. Now, One point we mentioned earlier was that the biggest strength, and you said this yourself, the biggest strength for a leader is the ability to adapt and also actually Mm -hmm. embrace change and discomfort, whatever you want to call it. What have you learned about that mindset, embracing change, and what advice would you give for leaders that are going through the same kind of dilemma? This pandemic has changed industries forever. I think there are some industries that will never come back to its original form, retail, education, medicine, transportation, travel, I think they've been changed forever, maybe for the good in terms of that. But we as leaders have to embrace that change. I keep something here with me that one of my team sent to me during this pandemic. And it's a saying that says, we cannot direct the wind, but we can adjust the sails. It's a coaster and I I use it every single day and I stare at it and it's a reminder that I can't control everything. I can only focus on what I can control and let go of absolutely everything else. And I think this is a great motto for business. I think it's a great motto for you personally, and it keeps me grounded, keeps me calm and in the present. I love that quote. I'm going to borrow it shamelessly, Jerry. The other flip side of control is also empowerment. And I know that's very critical to Cisco's new corporate mission, empowering an inclusive future for all. What does that mission statement mean to you? It means providing technology to provide access 
to create opportunities to help people build a more equitable world. We have a goal that is part of our mission of an inclusive future. We've pledged to positively impact 1 billion people by 2025. And we're 527 million people into that 1 billion goal. We take our networking academy, which is literally teaching folks technology skills on how to do this. We take them into the most underserved parts of the world. We're bringing internet access to those currently offline. We believe that would add $6.7 trillion to the global economy if we can lift up an additional 500 million people out of poverty. We have 3.8 billion people connected to the internet, but billions more don't have consistent access. Only 35% of the population of developing countries have access to the internet versus 80% in more advanced communities. So there's a lot of progress that needs to be made. And we believe that that's part of our mission to do. And here we are hopefully turning the corner in this pandemic. Our mission of empowering an inclusive future for all also includes how do we help with an inclusive recovery? How do we help our customers get the vaccine out to communities that are the most vulnerable? How do we help with the supply chain? How do we help our customers develop, distribute that vaccine in the most equitable way? And so we're working with some of the largest companies around the world trying to figure out how to do that. When I think of Cisco, obviously there is the inclusion in the future and the ambition, the mission that you mentioned so eloquently there. The other verb that comes to mind right now is innovation, innovative. <laughs> you work on a lot of really cool, disruptive, exciting, change the world type of projects. How do you as Cisco foster innovation during this sort of crazy times we're in and while people are still in kind of relative isolation? I've been so impressed with our technical leaders and teams and how much innovation they've literally pushed out in the last 12 months. Let's just use this technology as an example. Within the pandemic, we have pushed out more than 400 new features to WebEx. Massive innovations like transcriptions, noise cancellation. I could have a lawnmower literally going right outside hmm. my window right now and you wouldn't be able to hear it. All you would focus on is my voice. Real-time translation, which is one of my favorites because if we're gonna power an inclusive future for all, you could be speaking Mandarin, Alex, and I could be speaking Japanese and you and I could have a real-time translation, a real-time conversation, not through a translator. Hmm. We have a new feature where it would recognize signs. If I gave you a thumbs up or a thumbs down, or if I clapped my hands, I wouldn't have to get off of mute. We're pushing out a feature right now that we call the United Nations feature. I'm sure there's a more technical feature for it, which is if I'm having a meeting with a group of folks and the extroverts are always the first to talk and I can actually track how much time people talk in a particular meeting. But more importantly, I can make sure that well, Alex, you haven't spoken up. And is there something that you need to share with the group? Technology like this can help us be more inclusive, could help us connect much, much better. We talk about this experience being 10x more productive than if you or I were in the room together. It's more than 10x, if you ask me. <laughs> I guess the flip side, when everyone's always connected and always going from meeting to meeting, even virtually, how do you find time for yourself? How do you get that energy refresh? We're always on. 
And there's the blurring of the lines between your commute and your work and your lunch break or your admin knocking on your door to tell you that it's time to go home, whatever it is, that blurring of the lines has taken a toll, I should say, physically, mentally, for sure. We as leaders need to be cognizant of that. We as leaders need to be empathetic. We as leaders need to remember the Tim Ferriss quote of everybody is fighting a battle that you know nothing about. I go into meetings now with my team with that in the back of my mind, remembering that folks might feel like they have the weight of the world on their shoulders and their plates are overflowing right now with being the caregiver, the protector, the cheerleader, the teacher, the, you know, all those roles, particularly for women, Alex, you've seen the latest statistics on how working women are feeling the brunt of that. And that concerns me and fuels me because we've got to talk about it. I always say the first thing you got to do is acknowledge it, acknowledge that that's a problem, speak it out loud and share what you need in terms of help. Ask for the help that you need. I think there are a couple of points I heard. One was there is an invisibility to what other people, as you point out in the quote, are enduring. And having that empathy certainly is an antidote for that. The other piece on the technology angle was The flip side of accessibility and being available is boundaries. Who draws them? Can leaders draw them better so that the mental health burden that you allude to is less for the people out there waiting for leadership and vice versa? One thing that we did because of it, because we were so worried about the mental health of our employees during this pandemic. And we talked openly about that during our check-ins. It came out loud and clear, the burdens that the folks are feeling. Mm -hmm. And one employee gave us this idea. They said, could we just have a day for me? That's exactly what he said. Could we me just day. have a day off and where we all can just take a breath? And we literally coined the term a day for me. We turned it around. Such a brilliant idea. We turned it around in less than a week where mm. we gave the entire company a day off. And you would have thought, Alex, that we gave everyone a million dollars. The gift of that day was so important. We're doing it once a quarter now. We pick a time where it's convenient for everyone. And we just had one two weeks ago and it happened to be a Monday. And the influx of tweets and emails and texts that I got from our employees who said, I just want to show you what I did on my day for me. You know, I visited my mom for three hours in the nursing home. I went fishing. I reconnected with nature. Just the pictures and the stories was just overwhelmingly beautiful. And again, it was just a day. That's all it was. Yeah, and you shifted the narrative. I mean, I think that's perfect. You mentioned there's the mental health and safety and appreciation, recognition, support, and there's also the physical safety. How is Cisco thinking about returning to the office? Well, you use the right term, Alex, because we never talk about return to work. It is return to the office. And so what exactly does that mean? Now, I talk to customers all day, every day, and I will tell you one of the things that has changed is where work is going to happen. There are companies that I have talked to that were, I would say, 99% of their employees had always been in the office. They had very, very few employees that were considered remote workers. And these are huge traditional companies. And now they're talking about the fact that they will never go back. There will be a hybrid environment. I saw a study recently that said 97% of every meeting that you're going to be in going forward will have at least one participant who will be remote. So what does that mean? If you ever remember remote meetings before, 
people in the room had sort of their meeting going on and the people <laughs> that were on, you know, remote were kind of disconnected. Now for a whole year, we have realized that everyone needs to participate. It is just an extension of the same room. And so how do we make sure that we are respectful to people that are in the room versus the people that are remote? Number two, I think there's going to be this hybrid approach. I used to think like it's going to be a third of the people are going to be permanently remote. A third of the people will be permanently back in the office and the other third will be a hybrid. That's probably a generalization because I'm hearing it being all over the place now from our customers. Some are going to go with the red team, yellow team approach. Yellow team is in the office this week. Red team is going to be in the office next week. So I think there's going to be eight ways to Sunday in terms of how folks are going to think about this differently. One customer told me that the office is going to be only the place for the moments that matter now. And I love that. I love how we put that moments that matter. I need a one-on-one -on -one with my manager. That's a moment that matters. I really, really love that. There's a refreshed openness to all types of ways of working. Maybe there's not one right answer for any company. I do know you're a role model in so many ways. You have a personal passion for helping other women in business leadership. How has this changed or improved even more during the last year? I appreciate that. Thank you. It has been a personal passion of mine to help women who wanted to enter into the corporate director role for public companies around the world. My passion stemmed from the fact that I had that goal and it took me a while to get there. Quite frankly, one of my role models is Madeleine Albright, who, uh, as you know, the first female secretary of state who famously said there's a special place in hell for women who don't help other women. I believe there's a special place in heaven for those that do. So it's been a passion of mine to make sure that I continue to pay it forward. I stand on the shoulders of all the great women that came before me and helped me and always reached behind to pull me up. And so it's important for me to make sure that I help other women reach behind them. There's always somebody more junior to you that you can be lifting up. I tell every one of our women here, every one of you are a role model for somebody who's more junior to you that you can reach behind and pull up as well. It's so inspiring to hear the combination of passion personally, as well as a sense of workplace justice and the ability to actually make it happen. I applaud you for all three of those together. It's such a powerful moment and a movement. I want to come to another moment and a movement, which is this racial injustice debate, which accelerated during 2020. How do you hope that the broader conversation on this topic about work changes? So aligned to our culture and the pillars we talked about in terms of courageous leadership and a conscious culture. If you have a conscious culture, you have to be aware of what folks are feeling in the organization, the experiences that they're having, whether they feel like they're being listened to or not. We talked about Brian Stevenson earlier. He was one of our guests that we had on our Cisco check-ins. What a powerful, amazing human being. And he talks about being proximate. He talks about the fact that for you to really truly understand what it feels like to walk in the shoes of somebody else or to sit in their chair, you have to be proximate to them. You have to sit with them and you have to listen to them and you have to be open to the conversation. You have to listen to listen and really understand how their experience 
could or should or is so much different than your experience. And he asks you, he he encourages you to be proximate with people who don't look like you, who don't speak like you, who don't think like you, who don't have the same backgrounds as you. It's one of the reasons why we at Cisco call full spectrum diversity. We don't talk about diversity in just one aspect of diversity. We talk about full spectrum diversity, race, color, creed, religion, experience level, ability, sexual persuasion. We call it full spectrum diversity because we truly believe that if we focus on all of it, all boats will rise, not just one or two will rise. So during this social unrest that we had, particularly in the United States and the social injustice that we saw, we had open, uncomfortable, sweaty, we call it conversations about what was happening. One of our leaders, who is my diversity and inclusive leader for my team, set up a series of probably at this point, 20 proximity meetings, he called it. People that don't look like me, think like me, act like me. And I had these one-on-one meetings and the experiences that they shared with me about what it feels like to be different, what that has felt like outside the community, what it's felt like within Cisco, where it was incredibly powerful. And I learned so much from those meetings. I was humbled by those meetings. I was embarrassed by those meetings in terms of some of the experiences they had. And it profoundly affected me to the point where it's, I'm going to do as best I can do to help and to fix it. But it's encouraged me to continue to listen, to continue these proximity meetings so that I can continue to learn what's happening. It's something I've done my whole career. When I first became a first line manager, any place I landed, any city I went to, any meeting I was in, I would bring the women together in a room. We only had two rules in the room. The first rule was what was said in the room stayed in the room. And the second rule was that you had to brag. You had to brag about your superpower, whatever it <laughs> humble was. Humble brag, yeah. You had to humble brag. Not even yeah. humble, honey. We just said, yeah, we went I'm, full out. We went Go for full it, out. yeah. You Tell me to- what you got. Show me, me what, what you, got. you got. Tell me about your superpower. <laughs> Let's go. And those meetings were amazing. I would start the conversation with the question of what does it feel like to be a woman at IBM, Microsoft, Juniper, Cisco. I've been doing them for all four companies that I've worked at. How does it feel to be a woman at this company? And the stories were just amazing. So good, bad in terms of what it felt like. And I could relate because there were so many times in my career, I was the only, right? The only woman in the room, the only one in the team, the whole, you know. I love the superpower example. I mean, the simple human truth is that we all want to belong. We all are an other in some way, visibly or invisibly. And the way you cope with that, using your example, is a true test of resilience and fighting for that oneness, that belonging that we all have. Jerry, it was really great to have you and look forward to continuing the conversation in so many other forums that you lead and we can join forces on in the future. I'm so appreciative that you had me, Alex, and thank you so much. It was great to hear from you and learn from you as well. If you're looking for ways to transform your work and create more joy, subscribe to Joy at Work wherever you listen to podcasts. And we'd love to hear about how you're finding joy at work. Share on social media with the hashtag joy at work. If you have questions you'd like us to answer this season, please email us at joy at
Joy at Work is produced by Carney, a global management consulting firm. We help our clients reach their full potential and find their way forward during uncertain times. Learn more at carney.com slash joy at work. And if you enjoyed this show, please check out the other shows in the Carney Podcast Network, including A World Transformed, Reimagining the Future, hosted by my colleague, Paul Laudacina. It's a fascinating look at how our current crisis will propel us into a new reality. And on Inside the Mind, Carney's consumer practice leaders uncover how and why people shop today. What does our new consumer behavior mean for the future of the retail and e-commerce industry?